We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. WTIC. By the thing, by the boom. It's the Todd Feinberg Show. I think you need to listen to the voice of reason. reason. We're always streaming on the Odyssey app. It's WTIC News Talk 1080. Thank you, Todd, and God bless America. It's the Todd Feinberg Show right now. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Later. I'm going to have to laugh every time I hear that. All right, it's WTIC, and it's Wednesday. And to help recover from the holidays and the agony of all those presents and all that eating and all that all that dessert, Michael Harrison joins us for the hour. Michael Harrison, the owner, operator, founder of Talkers Magazine, the trade journal of the talk industry. Hey there, Michael. Hey there, Todd. Can you hear me loud and clear? I can't. Where are you, Michael? Where, located where in, is uh, he? I'm, I'm located at the moment in Massachusetts, right next door. Cool. And, uh, and uh, I haven't gotten to Florida yet, but um, I love the winter and I love the rain and the and the the, the fog. It's just so uplifting. But, but you got trapped in Florida, right? In the first year yeah, of COVID. I got trapped there back in uh, back in 2020. So you're which, probably still dark. I got to tell you, it <laughs> I wasn't in the sun. I I was trapped in a in a condo and um <laughs> stayed there for nine months i hardly went out i had planned to Wait be there for just a sh- you were a in short... the place where you could walk around outside and not worry yeah i um i, I if you remember the attitude back, i mean can you remember back to 2020 can you remember yes. when how... we were being told to be paranoid and don't touch the newspaper because you might get COVID? do you remember washing down the you know things like grocery bags and I remember people talking about it. I never did it. I never witnessed anyone doing it. But yeah. my brother was like that. My brother, my brother, who always lived far away, rented a house near us. And mm-hmm. I was so excited that we'd be able to see them and the kids. And then he wouldn't let us come over. No, I mean, some people didn't see anybody that, you know, there were grandparents that only got to see their grandkids through the window. Yeah. But but we're still in the era. We're still in the COVID era. It's 2023. And um you know, I'm experiencing it myself, but I don't base my observations of society on my own life. I, I look around, and um, I have the benefit of a research team that helps me with this. Um, many people are saying that they can't tell one year from another since 2019. That, that, it, that 21, 20, 22, they're moving faster. Months flow into each other. And now we're in 2023. 
which means we're almost a quarter of the way through the 21st century, which those of us who are natives of the 20th century still think of the 21st century as the future. As this <laughs> newfangled thing that's, that's uh, coming upon us, that, that last ad is the only one that had impact on me. The, we're almost finished with the first quarter of the century. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, you know it's funny when you talk about how long should you say happy new year? Mm-hmm. And uh, some people say the entire month of January, some people say 2 weeks, and then eventually it fades. But um what about happy new century? Uh this is the, the, Well, then it's it's time to drop that if you have been saying that for the past 22 years. It, it, yeah, the the point is that there are people who are 22 years old. I guess that makes you a full-fledged adult in terms of at least the law who never set foot in that faraway land known as the 20th century. They weren't there. They 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 are total natives of this particular place and space and time. Yeah, this and, it's interesting you're mentioning this Michael because it, the the thing you're saying I it dawned on me that that was reality recently from the other perspective, which is that I have no idea how you look at the world through a young person's eyes, through a 22-year-old's eyes. How they Their experience of what values are and what traditions are and what norms are is so different. I realize I'm sitting at the other side of this, this huge gulf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every position on the timeline of a human life, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to live to your 70s, 80s, and beyond, each one has its own limitations as how you see the big picture, even if you've been there. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid thinking, gosh, these, these adults just don't get it. <laughs> do, do you know what you were thinking about? Well, a lot of things. They didn't get the music. They didn't understand that that we were grown-ups. You know, I'm 12 years old. I'm not a kid anymore. You know, the the whole idea of how old should you be when you start dating. The the gap between generations, particularly the gap between parents and children, is something that I find remarkable to try to measure. Yeah, especially now that everything's... There is a lot of change that goes on in a single generation, whereas, you know, it used to be that you and your grandfather could both have worked the same job on the same family farm and really known the same families and and their offspring without there being much cultural change, without you feeling that 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 couple of generations represented some magnum leap. But now we're now we're in a couple of years and you can look at kids and, you know, just the fact that how they type. You ever look at how a kid types on his cell phone and how quickly they can do it? Yeah, the the cell phone is an extension of their brain. It's an extension of their nervous system. Mm. Now, I find myself typing on the cell phone with my thumbs. And um, I think most people use their thumbs. I become quite good at it. Um, a particular uh, uh, avocation, a career, a profession that has gone by the wayside as a result of the new era we're in is the administrative assistant, otherwise known as the secretary mm-hmm. or the typist. Remember, um, girls would go to typing schools so they can get jobs yes. as secretaries. And it, I and remember was... hearing an ad on the radio that you could get. There were jobs open for $100 a week. 
I remember which saying, was a lot wow. of money. Yeah, yeah wow, I, you could make a hundred dollars a week in a job in an office. I I just thought that was stunning. And you and you could be um, getting coffee for a very important person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and even get to talk to them. Right, right. Of course, back in the day of the administrative assistant, people who remember that and were there will tell you that quite often one of the most powerful and influential people in the big corporation was the secretary to the CEO, yes. who at that time was called president. They, uh, nobody was a CEO. That, uh, that term didn't happen until maybe 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. But back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 50s, uh, you know, it was a president. And if you were the the private secretary. Then you were the bottleneck. Everything had to flow through you. Right, right. Now CEOs do their own typing. Um, either they don't trust the secretary to, to be in on the privileged, you know, <laughs> information, or they just have budget cutbacks because everybody is facile with a keyboard. And it also works better writing your own stuff. Eh, that's, a, that's a whole, that's a byproduct of it. But um, now we're 23 years into this new era, and um, we have fully grown adults who were never in the 1900s. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, oh, my grandparents, they lived in the 1800s. Isn't that amazing? Um, or, my, yeah, or, my, me too. My grandfather was born in 1892. And I just thought that always fascinated me right. because I, he could have reached out and touched uh, Lincoln's offspring. I was watching on YouTube an old I've Got a Secret with Gary Moore. Do you remember that show? Yeah. And the, the guy's secret, a very old man was on, and his secret was that he is the last person alive to have seen Abraham Lincoln be assassinated. Wow. And this was in 1960s television, 1950s television. Wait, so that, he was in his 90s? Or he was, yeah, he was a kid. He was, he, he, and they say, what do you remember? He was at the play. He was, I don't know, five years old, six years old. He was a kid. Didn't really understand what was going on, but he, he, he described remembering that there was a, 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 a loud noise, which was obviously the gun, and a man jumped off the balcony, which was John Wilkes Booth, right in front of him. He saw the, the man jump off the balcony and run out the door limping and he and, and he remembers that which means that something that you know we consider to be um ancient history ancient history you may as well be you know ancient rome <laughs> you know the founding fathers abraham lincoln all those people it was just a generation and a half ago yeah and gary moore was bre- breathing the same air as the guy who was there that's pretty yeah. incredible we're talking to michael harrison from talkers magazine quick break we'll talk more on wtic it's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC, occasionally we, uh, often we have Michael Harrison here just so we can shoot the bull on topics of great interest and importance and sometimes not immediate interest and importance, but it's there looming for us nevertheless and i think i like those the best thank you michael for taking the time it's a pleasure and uh, it was fun all, all we did was say happy new year and we wound up with happy century and uh we're calculating how far each of our lives were which is a really we were born important from exercise. abraham lincoln's assassination i and assume everybody has those kinds of thoughts like struggles to put things in perspective and that is as we all get older 
I'm, I'm noticing myself thinking about what a short time one lifespan is as opposed to thinking about, oh, you know, I'm old because I'm in my 30s. It, it's so funny to look at younger people going through the things you went through and realizing how silly uh, so much of what we're programmed culturally or maybe genetically to be concerned about that doesn't look important at all when you get older. Mm. You know, you say we're programmed culturally. Do you think that our culture is um, improving in terms of being humane, being enlightened, being smart? Um, yeah, all ways... those things. And that, and then you realize how much how dumb we are and how much how little we actually know. We are just at the beginning of so many things we think we're sophisticated at, like like the modern medicine thing that we grew up thinking was so brilliant and so advanced and it is compared to what was before but compared to what's coming in a in a few minutes we're nowhere well time capsules are funny you know where, where the kids will bury um you know shoebox in the schoolyard and then go back five years later or a hundred years later an example of what you're talking about is illustrated by the voyager um um you know, missions that were sent off. Carl Sagan was involved with it um, back in the 70s. And they loaded this thing up with this gold phonograph record mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that could be played <laughs> if you had a record player with audio, no video, audio of everything from Mozart to Chuck Berry. Just um, to introduce uh, aliens? <laughs> the point I'm making is that the, here we're going to show our culture yeah. to to these people out there some maybe a million that's when they canceled the trip and said it's not worth going there <laughs> but you know it was the height of mod modernity if yeah. there's such a word and um it's also you know like we sent a phonograph record out there um no matter oh, how modern the times are that we live in it doesn't take very long for that same modernness to be interpreted as old-fashioned but and that is, a, that is about... a fabulous um, thing to try to, uh, fabulous is not the word, it's a provocative thing mm -hmm. to try to digest. If you consider drugs coming soon that will be targeted things, like maybe a nanotechnology, tiny little machines that oh, yeah. swim to a certain spot in your bloodstream and, and do the repairing on an organ that needs to be done or something like that. When you consider the possibilities, then you would look at a drug we have today that they know it's a poison and it works for some things and they're trying it for other things to see if it works on them. I mean, just like we a... talk about we talk about surgery that was conducted with the anesthesia being whiskey. Yes. And we talk about um, barbers also being surgeons. Because how, they... And how about the people who could do it? You just reminded me of, of reading the book about John Adams uh, uh, several years ago and his daughter who lived in upstate New York, I think, was sick. And she took, she had, uh, she had to get, she had cancer, breast cancer. And she t rode a stagecoach from upstate New York to Quincy, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. which took two weeks. Big trip. In the winter. So that, so that she could have a double mastectomy with no anesthesia. Oh, scary. And uh, it was a very common practice not that long ago for doctors to have leeches drain you of the evil blood Ooh, you know did that work obviously they, did they, that they, fix they, anything so the point is that they're going to look back on today's medicine as being barbaric equally barbaric equally 
you know, we, we always people always think they live in the most modern times, and that uh, we're at the you know, that we humans are the crown of creation. <laughs> we are. What we really are looking at, if you really want to continue in this direction, is that we're in the post. We're in the in the pre. Now we're, we're going into. Let me get my words right about this, because um, I obviously okay. have not taken notes to do this. This is off the top of my head. But we are about to go into what they call the post-human phase. Of, oh, with artificial intelligence beyond artificial intelligence that that we're going to physically change our bodies into the, what the, to, to the next the next step in human evolution wait we're going to mess with the dna so we can take different form or, or the dna is going to mess with us if we have different environments if if suddenly we have people who are now living on mars i mean look at elon musk he wants to populate mars if you're living on mars or you're living in zero Things gravity or you're living in a different kind of a um atmosphere with different kind of levels of radiation and all the other stuff that impacts our genes which are impacted by our environment which causes changes and you look back at the history of homo this and homo that mm -hmm. in, in terms of you know an upright ape that is part of our historical background we still don't know all the missing links um look at how many forms being human has taken in the past so uh we we might we may not be fully evolved humans yet we 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 if we came back 500 years from now we may not recognize anything including what people look like wow this i had never considered I don't think I want to be on the first flight to Mars, and maybe I my preference would be to never hop on a plane there. Mm. Well, I can't say that this is all original thoughts on my part. I mean, uh, there's some really good science fiction writers who have, um, you know, sort of put this these ideas on paper. But even more so, um, science fact has outpaced um, science fiction. Fact is more profound than fiction. That's interesting. When it comes to all of this. All right, the fact is we've got to pause for bottom of the hour news. We're talking to Michael Harrison. Check out talkers.com. That's his publication. And we will continue coming up on WTIC. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg. Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. 
We're with Michael Harris in Talkers Magazine, chatting about the stories that are top of mind and top of the news. And we haven't talked about football and the events of Monday night, Michael. I'm curious your response to that. It was a great um, exercise in psychology, group psychology, you know, a whole stadium psychology. Obviously, on, uh, on the surface, on the basis of it, you know, a, a young man was in terrible um, critical condition and and distress and almost died in front of, you know, 50,000 people. So it was, uh, it was very gripping and um, dramatic. But it's very interesting in terms of, um, you know, the the way we look at it from a sociological standpoint. And, of course, now people are blaming football for being violent. Uh, some people are saying it's not about the game. I mean, they, the commentators that night, mm-hmm. had they, they wound up with something a lot more tricky and difficult to deal with than commenting on a very important football game. And they did everything they could not to say, you know, and, and what's going to happen with the game? What's going to happen with the, with, the, with the standings? It was all, football's not important. It's all about this young man. You know, 50,000 people who are there. I'm not indicting anybody, but 50,000 people. No, but it people. is an interesting dynamic that yeah. we, are, we are required as broadcasters to curb certain instincts to talk about what everybody's thinking about. Exactly. And um, I, I was fascinated just watching... It. I wasn't really watching it. I was. I was checking on my my phone. How's the game going? Because I had other things I was doing. I was involved in some stuff, and it was a, you know a big game. And I'm looking delayed, delayed, delayed. So then I finally tuned in and realized what was going on. And it was historic. I mean, I do hope, and I follow very carefully whether uh, Damar Hamlin, who is a uh, safety, that's a position on the team with the. Very powerful Buffalo Bills, very strong team this year. I hope, you know, he's 24 years old. His parents, his family were at the stadium watching this. I, I, I mean, I hope like everybody else that he's okay. And it seems, he seems to be heading in that direction. But um, he came very close to, to death. And um, he has a long road ahead. So, um, you know, that's certainly something that I care about. But the whole issue of how we support things that are violent and we claim that we're not violent is, you know, we're all responsible for these things to one well, degree But what is there to be responsible for exactly? I, I question that, uh, that cultural assumption that we should feel guilty about something because there is, for, for, first of all, I, I guess what occurs to me when you were discussing how we respond to what we're seeing on TV. You know, the tragedy happened because we root for players in a football game, but we also root for people to put up tall buildings that are extra tall because somebody wants them to be the biggest in the world, and people die building bridges and on all these projects. And the nature of human enterprise is that it's a risky proposition, and most people decide they'd rather die doing what they love than than the alternative course. So, and and part two is that the we all deal with this disconnect between what's happening right around us. Something that happens in our families might be a tragedy, but you can't be you can't consume other tragedies at the same acute level of pain if they're happening a hundred miles away or ten thousand miles away. So, by our very nature, we're required to provide shock absorbers to our emotional involvement with these things what you just said is brilliant and and i mean you summed up you you succinctly summed it up we have to play games with our heads to be able to 
have empathy and sensitivity to the tragedy of the human condition while being able to be in denial, being able to have, as you call it, a buffer system so as not to totally go crazy and um, become miserable to the point that we can't even get out of bed. I mean, and, and that's why so much of politics and so much of the way people act is reflective of their point of view on life. Which is also grossly distorted now by the way media reports the sensational with the highest priority and then adds as much sensationalism to the coverage as they can. And then we've got social media pumping it up all the time. And that leaves people who are overly sensitive to these inputs in a, in a state of uh, some kind of frenzy. You're absolutely right. And, that, and that's why um, the thing that we seem to fear the most is that we're becoming numb. You hear it all the time. Oh, my gosh, we're becoming I thought numb that's what everyone's trying to do. If we don't become numb to the mass shootings, if we don't become numb to the uh, contradictions in our lives. We don't exist. We, we, can't, we can't function. We, function. Cannot fu we, can, we could not function. And that's why people... Remember, remember the old bit on Saturday Night Live with... Um, um, I'm blanking on her name. Gilda Radner. No, no, the one who is Debbie Downer. I um, forget. Rachel Dretch, something like that. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Good name. Debbie Downer was this character that no matter what was going on, she was a party pooper. She'd always say, but there are people suffering from disease. <laughs> the starving children in right. India. You know, we cannot enjoy this moment. Let's not forget the people. that I, You're walking down the street in an urban area and somebody comes up to you and, hey, buddy, can you give me some money? And you know, you don't know if you give them the money, it's going to go to booze or it's going to go to the next meal or or it goes against your philosophy that everybody's responsible for that they should work. Are they there because of they, they didn't do what they had to do? Are they there because they're mentally ill and the city is not uh, taking care of that? I mean, so you walk down the street, you're confronted by another human being in distress and you opt to not look at them. And to just keep walking and maybe, oh, I can't do it. Can't do it. Well, and you're identifying the compromise I struck. When I heard somebody say the, make the argument you're making right now, I now look at them and say hello. And we, I did it just a couple days ago. I wished a guy a happy new year when he was holding up a sign saying, I can't speak, I'm, I'm hungry. And, right. you know, I, I feel like the, uh, that, that, the anecdotal evidence that that's a hustle is so enormous and so obvious to me that I don't want to succumb to it. It could be a hustle or it could be it's a possible. true person in need. But how do we know? We don't know. Well, there's clues. If they're wearing brand new shoes, you know there's something wrong. <laughs> if they're young and looking good health, I want to kick them in the head. Yeah. You know? But it, they could be old and bedraggled and, and making good money. I think in many cases, you know, we're shifting into homelessness now, but, but let's keep in mind why we're talking about it. And it has to do with when is empathy good and when is empathy stupid, you know, because that, that's at the core of all our political discussions. It certainly is the core of the argument between liberalism and conservatism or conservatism. Well, not really. I think it's, a, it's put in there to take control of the conversation illegitimately. I think we all want the maximum number of people to get the maximum good out of the world, and there's two different approaches to it. Mm -hmm. And the one that says you're going to tax people so that 
government can give that money to whom they choose to help them in their lives breaks a, a market-driven system that expects people to perform on their own and encourages big, corrupt, wasteful government. At least for me, that's the dynamic. Mm. So well, I'm not, I, I have it. tons of empathy. I just don't think the government should be in the business of taxing us so we can give our money away right, to right, what right. turns well, out being a, their voters. That's a specific angle on it. But um, if we were to put you on the couch and really study you, mm-hmm. we would probably find all kinds of things that go all the way back to your childhood that have led you to have the position that you have. Well, that may be, sure. But, um, but, but only because you're a human being and, and, um, and we all wrestle with these issues that are not easily uh, And defined. we're also genetically predisposed. Nature versus nurture is something that every parent thinks about. Every parent who thinks, you know, <laughs> you see three kids in one family and all three are completely different. Isn't that amazing? Well, well yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, how, where do you cast the blame or where do you cast the credit? I, I mean, how? Yeah, I'm a big nature guy. Well, nature and nurture. Nurture matters. Nature defines everything, though. Do you really think that? Yeah. That's interesting. You know, for the most part, because of that dynamic you're talking about. You know, I had a friend who whose wife was carrying twins, and and it was from the moment they were they were old enough to kick, they knew which one was which. You know, there was one who was active and and trouble for the mother in from inside the womb, and the other one was placid to the point where they went and got an extra ultrasound to make sure she was still alive in there mm. and that's how they are as as adults too it's fascinating do you sometimes think when you see a little child that you see the adult that they're going to be oh Have all you, the time yeah is that and an vice versa yeah uh, yeah the kid that they were yes yeah i yeah. can't see that kid in you though oh well i i i'm I, I was born at 50. <laughs> And it, it was it was a it was a big news story in the small town that I lived in. And you reported it. <laughs> I wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a, it, it was a a memoir. But um, when I was a kid, people used to say, they, "I remember this very well." When I was a kid, when I say kid, I mean seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Michael's an old soul. Yeah, I've always heard that too. Yeah, that, that the people told you you were an old soul. Yeah, I just assumed it was a good thing and went on from there. Well, yeah, it it, it it it's meant to be a good thing. I was also I was also called sometimes they would call me a quiz kid or a whiz kid, and that they should put me on television on those game shows that um, were popular then and still are popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy am i a dummy compared to some of the kids today oh, it's ridiculous but that's because they haven't left the house they haven't left the house and they're plugged into computers all day absorbing do you data. do you realize that children who are preschool are able to do things that we didn't think we were able to do that could be done until that could be done before first grade i remember when i was in first grade and they had the dick and jane books it was, oh boy, now I'm old enough to be able to grasp this concept that adults do called reading. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. See, Michael, run. See, Todd, go to break. We will continue with Michael Harrison coming up on WTIC. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Well, it's WTIC. 
Wednesday afternoon in January. We're supposed to be in the cold, but we're not. We are warming things up today with Michael Harrison. Michael, I will uh, leave it up to you to uh, to push us in a new direction for this, if you choose. Well, it's interesting times in terms segment. of politics. I mean, if, if uh, I'm sure that you'll have plenty of conversation, and the station certainly has had, on what's going on in the um, House of Representatives and um, the the situation facing what he's now being called wannabe speaker, <laughs> uh, Kevin McCarthy. It's, it does, uh, it, uh, that, that part of him that seems like he was born trying to be Speaker of the House, it has become a liability for him, hasn't it? Well, you know, you can have hope, but you can't have expectations. You have to roll with the flow. He's had a pretty successful career in politics. Um, he may not achieve his dream, or he may yet achieve it. I don't know what the latest is on it, but I think they've had something like five votes. Yes, and um, he's 0 for 5. There's an embarrassment for the GOP, because cause what's happening now is the appearance that they have problem governing, that they're great at grievances, but then they have problems when they do have the power in um, in, in organizing and, and governing. This and, is the curse of victory. Well, it's a, it's a problem. I find the story with that uh, Santos guy to be also a, a fascinating study in human nature. Uh, we don't well, human nature and the intersection with politics, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, there are a lot of people out there who lie their way into jobs that they don't have the credentials for. Mm-hmm. And there's and there's far less vetting going on today than there used to be about things like now, that. Now, isn't that weird? You would assume that in this era... After we've experienced so much of this kind of hustling going on of, of voters and, and the hiring process, you would think, and, and in the computer era, that we would have it figured out. Wouldn't there be somebody at a newspaper, at least, uh, in a news organization who would investigate a candidate? You bring up a very interesting point, and one of the reasons that Santos slipped through the cracks, uh, media observers have said, is the, is the diminishment of local journalism that um, national journalists are not looking at some local race in the third district on Long Island, but um, obviously the media on Long Island, um, I guess Newsday and um, maybe some local radio stations. Actually, Newsday is really the, the major one. They, they didn't do their job. They should have vetted this. They, they should be that type of investigation. Obviously, it didn't happen. So... Um, there's a crisis in America in terms of local media doing the same type of investigation that national media does on national stories. You mean and, not doing it? They're, they're just not. There, yeah. there used to be people at every meeting reporting every government panel and what it was doing. There would be somebody there for a local newspaper, and now right. that's rare. Yeah, and that's an economic thing, and that's a whole uh, thing that ties into the business of media trying to evolve into the digital era mm. hasn't been friendly um, uh, for the media in terms of generating revenue in this kind of an environment. Complicated subject, but let's suffice it to say that's one of the things that has led to the drying up of local news departments, whether it's newspapers, radio stations, television People stations. People don't understand. It's one of these really interesting dynamics where when you've been watching it for a long time and you realize what we're being deprived of and you can see the impacts that's having on people's understanding of of a process and, and what's actually behind what they're seeing in the news. And, and uh, most people have no context through which to see it. Michael right. Harrison, Talkers Magazine, Talkers.com. Thank you so much for being here and being so random with me. I enjoy it. Thank you, Todd. It's a pleasure. Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, Happy New Year. All right. We are 
one hour into our afternoon together. And we're going to check in with Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Good afternoon, Mark. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.